Hi, I'm Dan Pramack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today is Tuesday, February 23rd. U.S. COVID deaths are up past half a million, tech stocks keep going down, and we're focused on corporate America's soured relationship with politicians. Google yesterday announced it will resume accepting political advertisements this Wednesday on all of its platforms, including search and YouTube. This comes about five weeks after it banned such ads in the aftermath of the Capitol Hill insurrection. Why it matters isn't because there's all sorts of political advertising right now. There isn't, given where we are in the election cycle. Instead, it matters because Google might be on the leading edge of all sorts of companies that backed away from politics last month but might slowly slink back. The most obvious comp here is Facebook, which also banned political ads and so far is sticking with it. But there also is a much larger list of companies that publicly decided to stop making donations to federal politicians, really seeming to re-examine whether it was a proper use of resources. Again, this is giving donations instead of accepting ads, but it was a similar thought process. And some of those companies specifically said they'd stop giving just to those who oppose certification of the presidential results. Others said they'd stop donating altogether. Now, a lot of these corporate decisions came after a series of hastily called CEO conversations convened by Jeffrey Sonnenfeld, a Yale School of Management professor. One attendee told me afterwards that the amount of anger directed at the senators who opposed certification was, quote, more intense than any I can recall directed with so much universality. The question now for us today is if these CEOs will stick to their guns or if they'll follow Google's path back to politics. To help answer that, we are pleased to be joined now by Jeffrey Sonnenfeld of the Yale School of Management. So, Professor, let's start kind of big picture here before we narrow down into what's happening right now. In general, when a company or a CEO donates to a federal politician, are they generally doing it because they agree with that person's policy positions? Or do you think they're generally doing it for access to that politician so they can argue for their policy positions? It's largely because they are in agreement with that politician. But to a great extent, they've tried to straddle, tried to hedge and to be on both sides of an issue. So there are companies historically, say, such as the Home Depot, where one founder would back Republicans, that was uh, Bernie Marcus, and Arthur Blank would give roughly an equal amount to the Democrats, because uh, co-founder. So there, a lot of companies would try either through their PACs or through the executive donations directly to cover their bases, but that's been changing. Several weeks ago, right after the insurrection at the Capitol, you convened a group of uh, CEOs and other business leaders, and, and you've been doing this for years uh, for various reasons, but after that, Explain to me kind of what the purpose of that conversation was and what the general emotion of that conversation was. Well, quickly, we've done 110 of these events before there was a World Economic Forum in Davos and Forbes, Fortune, Business Week, New York Times, Wall Street Journal or others uh, were holding such forums. We launched the first school for incumbent CEOs. I was working behind enemy lines at that time at the Eva Harvard Business School, but I've been at Yale now for around 22 years. And we do those things with advance notice. There's several months, usually five, six months advance notice. What was different was we rarely have some crisis conferences like when uh, Enron WorldCom and all collapsed uh, in 2002 and uh, in 2008 with the collapse of Lehman Brothers and things. We've had crisis conferences called with uh, about uh, a day and a half, two days notice. We've never done what we did, though, this last electoral season, which is 
two days after the elections, uh, which, of course, were on November 3rd, on, on the night of November 5th, when President Trump preemptively uh, went on air to in- interrupt the, the major uh, broadcast news shows to announce powers he didn't have and to make uh, assertions of false information, the networks, first time in American history, all yanked them, except, you know, some three, two cable networks kept them on. But but all the broadcast networks cut them off and the CEOs were alarmed. So we had a, a crisis conference called on 12 hours notice at about 7 p.m. Several CEOs asked, can we pull people together? We got 45 together the next morning. We did that twice in January as well by surprise because of critical events. And it was uh, at those events that we had some votes that I think you wanted to talk about. Yeah. And, and so after the sixth, the one after that, you know, some of the folks who were there talked about kind of this extraordinary or told me at least about this extraordinary level of anger. And there was I know you did kind of an informal survey. There was talk amongst a lot of these folks and kind of a consensus, I think, to pause political donations, at least to those who were voting against certification of the presidential election. It was shocking to me. At our first event, the first crisis conference, the one that was in November, we had political scientists such as Tim Snyder, a political historian, talk about a a coup d'etat attempt. And some CEOs thought that was overblown, but they still were concerned and came out with a demand that when the elections were called, which turned out to be the very next day, that the business community speak out clearly. But then in January, when we met, which was the day before the storming of the Capitol, it was the insurrectionist vote, the uh, the objectionist vote that had CEOs so mad, even then, or this was on January 5th, where uh, 100% of them, hundred, we never had a unanimous vote on anything doing these things for 110 sessions. And uh, they said that they were going to pull ads from the objectionist congr- congressional leaders, which was half of the GOP in the House, as you know, and six or seven, depending on how you count them, in the Senate. That was astounding. And 80-some percent said they would consider curtailing investments in the states of those objectionists. So let's fast forward a little bit here. Some of the social uh, media companies, Google being one of them, they weren't represented, I don't think, at your meeting, or at least not in that way. But they, following January 6th, they paused political advertising on their sites, which to me, there was a little bit of an analogy, right? The CEOs you would talk to, we're going to pause political donations. Those companies paused allowing advertising on the sites. Google changed its mind yesterday and, and said ads could come back. Do you believe that the CEOs or some of them have started to change, those who decide they weren't going to make donations have started to change their mind? No. Uh, and I'm so glad you make the distinction. Facebook, uh, surprising many, has retained it. And then Google, that has dropped it, surprised many equally. People would have perhaps guessed the opposite pattern. But nonetheless, it's the CEOs, in fact, just the opposite, are alarmed at where uh, they're being paired on inflammatory hate speech type situations so that they are, in fact, being increasingly attracted to things such as Stephen Brill's and Gordon Krovitz's uh, NewsGuard, which is tracking who sources are, because they're, they're finding that, that mainstream advertisers, mainstream employers, institutional and industrial pillars of American society are finding themselves paired with, with hate speech and with false information about vaccines and all kinds of other nonsense out there. So if anything, they're more concerned than ever and very reluctant about using surrogates. So that's sort of the, the Uber theme here, uh, Uber with a small U, is that to not speak through third parties. And that's what was happening through the people advertising on Google were people that are trying to speak for perhaps a business community or various interests, just like the trade associations and others have, have lost a little bit here as CEOs are thinking they need to speak for themselves and not rely on, on just blind donations to uh, political parties either. 
So I'm wondering though, you know, when Google, for example, puts a pause on in January of 2021, right? You're nearly two years away from the next federal election. They ban political advertising, but there wouldn't have been much political advertising anyway, right? There's not many politicians who are paying for ads, you know, two months after a federal election. So tell me I'm being too cynical here when I hear about some of these CEOs who say, well, we're not going to donate right now, but this isn't the time they'd be really getting hit up that much anyway, right? If only that were so. Part of the tragedy of the American political system is that congressional leaders in the House are running nonstop. They're like on a constant treadmill. So they're fundraising fast and furiously now for the 2022 elections. It's crazy that they're already running for re-election. But in the House, that's the case. Yes, you're right about the Senate. And yes, you're right about presidential elections. But when you have companies like Home Depot, Comcast, AT&T, American Express, Walmart, Walgreens, Allstate, Intel, Kraft, I mean, Cisco, the Martian McLennan, uh, the, these are the kind of companies, Marriott, uh, Nike, that have pulled uh, for objectionists, the, the seditious GOP the congressional leaders. That's pretty profound, and they've held to it. And it's roughly a quarter of major companies have said that this could be permanent. And there are perhaps the biggest number right now, some might think it's cowardly, some might think it is just perhaps cleaner, that are uh, expressing this both-siderism. They're not going to pay for political ads for anybody, Democrat or Republican, objectionist or not. And there are some companies that have always been like that, like IBM, which says, look, we've never had any problem having our voice being held in Washington, but we've never given a dollar in donations either. The CEOs didn't come out with a statement after your last meeting, but to your knowledge, have any of them or their companies received significant blowback either from customers or from employees for these decisions? Yeah, the National Association of Manufacturers, which was not the, the group we had, but this represents like 14,000 CEOs of businesses large and small across the country, has had blowback, but they've held their ground. It's astounding because the Business Roundtable was actually created as a reaction, as a quote-unquote progressive reaction 50 years ago, opposed to the much more conservative National Association of Manufacturers. And it's astounding that National Association of Manufacturers, NAM, are the ones who, who really have also called collectively for a halt to uh, advertising or for political donations to these objectionists. And that's, uh, there has been some blowback, but CEOs are used to it. They don't care. Uh, it's, it's Ken Fraser of Merck and uh, the uh, the CEOs of, of AT&T and Disney and, and, and Marriott and others, eBay, they said, well, you know, we're, we're used to Texas Instruments. It represents all industries, all parts of the country. They've held their ground despite uh, what they see are some fringe elements complaining. There's so many more people that are actually celebrating them for their courage. Conventional wisdom is that whether CEOs might be uh, socially liberal in general, they prefer uh, Republican administrations. What have we seen so far, though, in the first six weeks of the Biden administration in terms of how companies have reacted to it? You know, it's astounding. We just saw a, a plunge in business confidence uh, during the Trump years that are now back soaring again. They'd reached a near peak in the end of the Obama years. And now the first six weeks of the uh, of the Biden administration, the conference board data shows that CEO confidence is soaring yet again. When you and I spoke uh, a little over a month ago, one of the things you mentioned to me at the time was you thought that if there were CEOs or companies that as the election season gets closer, were sort of on the fence about contributions, particularly to the to those who opposed certification, particularly in the Senate, you said you thought they'd be held to account to a certain extent, maybe almost even shamed into maintaining their position in part by some academics who are doing work, but also by the Lincoln Project. In the five or six weeks since then, the Lincoln Project has obviously uh, suffered, has had some major reputational damage. Do you believe the Lincoln Project going forward is still going to be a major player in holding CEOs and companies to account? 
I do think the individuals involved, you know, some of them, such as uh, George Conway uh, or Steve Schmidt, whatever complications they, they've had organizationally, institutionally and things, are still going to be very strong, uh, effective uh, people. I do think we're going to see very forceful. Uh, they had they had plenty of others in the space with them, too, that were launching very effective campaigns. Lincoln, Lincoln Project were the crispest and perhaps most forceful, if not most entertaining. Uh, final question for you, Jeffrey. Big picture. Is it better or worse for democracy if corporations at large, or at least some of America's largest corporations, are no longer active political donors at the federal level? It's great that they're less active as political donors, especially if they're backing candidates that don't believe in what they stand for. They don't believe in divided communities. They don't believe in angry workforces. They don't believe in xenophobia. They don't believe in isolationism. These aren't things that they've, and these are people that are 60, 70% Republican, and those aren't the, the values that that party has actually stood for either. So now they're taking stock of things. It's much better for them, much better for the, the country. There's an alignment between the general interests of American society and business on social harmony, and that's what they want, and that's what they stand for. Jeffrey Sonnenfeld of the Yale School of Management, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, sure. Thank you. Welcome back. What we're watching today are upcoming changes to the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP, which is that small business loan program that was part of the original economic stimulus. Now, you might recall there were complaints at the time that some bigger companies got loans before smaller companies. That was in part because of deeper relationships with banks and also because some bigger companies had better access to people like lawyers and accountants who could help them fill in the paperwork. So PPP was reauthorized late last year with another $284 billion and some tighter application rules. But President Biden feels that very small businesses are still getting left out in the cold. So starting tomorrow and then for two weeks, the Small Business Administration will only accept PPP applications from businesses with fewer than 20 employees. A White House official tells me this isn't so much because bigger companies were again pushing ahead of the line but rather because many very small businesses seem unaware that PPP is even available again or that they could apply for it. The hope now is that lenders can take this two-week pause to better get the word out and also have some extra time to help these very small businesses with their applications. The bottom line, this should help some Main Street businesses that didn't get help last time around get help this time around. And finally, an update to last Thursday's show about Facebook and Australia. The social network announced late last night that it has struck a deal to pay local publishers for their news content, while Australian lawmakers will change some terms to their new media code. In short, this ends Facebook's temporary ban on sharing news links on its platform in Australia, which had caused online news traffic there to plummet. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national banana bread day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.